Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my very busy wife, mm-hmm. Maura. How are you, my love? I'm good. Yeah? You're looking at the questions, making sure I did a good job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got all of her nail stuff here. I mean, this is there's a full setup. Yeah, there's, there's like a full. We got nail polish remover. We got a hot um, bowl of water. We have <laughs> uh, some coffee, and then we have two. I didn't have time to eat, so. I have. Okay, I'm so lucky. Everything. I got to cook uh, like 20 minutes ago, and. I have some uh, flat iron steaks and some kielbasa sauce. And what sausage. is that? Is that the Petersons? Yeah, that's the Petersons. Is there any left? Of course. There is Thank some you. left. And I'm going to get a whole other one because in this house, there's a big problem. Um, we buy food and then we get angry when people eat food. No, we just get angry when people finish all the food to themselves and they don't offer, they don't, Danny would be the, like, I always talk about this. Like if we were <laughs> stranded on an island, I would be like, I love you so much, but for my personal safety... Don't I live. have to leave now. Yeah, like we have to with, part with ways me. because I can't feed you anymore. Well, you wouldn't feed me. I would be. Fine. Well, I'd be scared that you would like probably just one day just like be Eat like, you? honey, that leg, it's got to go. Take a bite. Out of that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. There's plenty of room there. There's plenty of cushion there. Well, anyways. All right. Um, it's a very exciting day. Um, so many things happening. Uh, Vinny Tortorich's episode came out today. Today's <laughs> National Vegetarian Day for Is those it? who no, don't know. Stop. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure the Arnold documentary oh came gosh. out. So much going on right now. And Did I am, celebrate? Oh, for sure. I'm right in the middle of it, right where I want to be, in the eating thick your steak. of it. Eating mm-hmm. my steak, in the trenches, <laughs> fighting, <laughs> fighting for meat. All right? And this week, we have a guest who, who's on the same page as us. Um, this week's guest uh, grew up eating pretty much the opposite of a carnivore diet. He enjoyed all the cheesy waffles and ice cream his heart desired (laughs) until he made a decision to dive into health and fitness. And he's been following that obsession for over 20 years. He's done several really cool experiments on himself, and he does a much better job of documenting than than I do. Uh, Currently, he walks around at single-digit body fat year-round. He's a practicing dentist with a focus on sleep disorders, and he's putting out extremely high-quality content on carnivore diets, building muscle, sleep, and related health topics. I said it on the ketogenic athlete, and I said it. I'll say it again. I know the size of your platform isn't everything, but the quality of content this guy's putting out, this man should have a million followers. Yeah. And we have him with us today, and we're really pumped to start this conversation. Welcome to the show, Kevin Stock. What's up, brother? Hey, thanks for having me. I mean, honestly, it's an honor to be on your guys' show. So I'm pumped. Aw, thank you. Like I told you, man, Mauro's a huge to fan get you of on yours for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of talk to talk about. I know, Danny, we've we've chatted twice, but I, there's still so much to cover. I know, there's I know, so man. much. Every time we we talk, we're like, oh yeah, you too. Do we just become <laughs> best friends? I know, I know. I'm sure there's like so many more things we have in common that we haven't even touched on. But we always like to lead with the question: What is the most critical problem you are currently trying to solve? Yeah, that's a that's a huge question. Uh, so this might catch you a little bit by surprise, but it's kind of more for, um, I, I would say more of a personal problem that I'm, that I've been trying to solve mm-hmm. or that I want to solve. And like a little bit of back story would be when I was, I think 26, I 
had, you know, I opened a dental sleep medicine practice and I vividly remember sitting there at my little makeshift desk waiting for a patient to come and basically asked myself, like, if I could live, you know, any life I wanted to live, what would I be doing? Would I be sitting here waiting for a patient to treat? Right. Uh, and yes, that would be part of it. But there was so much else I wanted to do. I was like, if I could do this and this and this, like, that's the life I really want to live. Uh, but it seemed very much impossible. And uh, so the, the problem I want to solve for myself is, you know, you hear people say, you know, anything's possible. And I was like, OK, well, I got the, I'll set some impossible goals and if I can actually achieve these, then I'll prove that theory to myself that it's actually possible to do what you think is impossible. So I think that's kind of a very abstract answer. But to me, it's just proving like, look, I could I could envision this dream life doing all these things I want to do. Uh, and can I make that dream come a reality? And so I'm out to, to prove it. I've accomplished a lot of things I've hoped to accomplish, but de- far from everything. So that's kind of the problem I'm trying to answer for myself. And, you know, I think if others can, you know, if others can see me do it and, and it can be an inspire for other people to live their dreams and go for things that they would be afraid to get or go for or afraid that they think they can't accomplish, uh, then, you know, all the better. I really love that answer. That's not the typical answer, but I like that you went there. I like that you went there because um, it's so true um, what you said. Like, yeah, you would probably still maybe practice, you know, dentistry, but we're not one dimensional. And that's who were we talking about? Was it um, Lifron Bang? Is that him? Paul? Yeah, that we're not just one, you know, we're not just like Danny the carnivore or, you know, we have all these other things that we are passionate about. And so that's really cool. Yeah, it's so easy to get some people to like put themselves in a box or for other people to put someone yeah. else in a box and a label. Yeah. And like I've never fit very well in any boxes or with any labels. Uh, so. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. You're preaching to the choir. We're a bunch yeah. of rebels. I think yeah. it's hilarious because like people ask me like, what do you do? And it's the hardest question I know, to answer I'm always nowadays. Like, uh... Uh, it's very hard. It's like, what do I do for money or what do I do for fun or what hobbies yeah, am I exactly. working on? You know, yeah. it's a, there's a million different questions. It's like, someone asked me that. I yeah, have what a do I do legit with? hard time trying to answer that. Me too. <laughs> me too, man. I'm like, I do a lot of things. Yeah, you're like, when? Like, what time of day? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I think sometimes it comes across as like being unfocused or something like that, but I totally disagree. Yeah, I uh, disagree. Like, you can have many things you're passionate about and you can pursue them. Uh, with just the amount of ambition and focus and, you know, absolutely as, as if someone was just doing one thing. I agree. Dude, I, I, uh, I don't know if you know who Jay Ferrugia is. Um, yeah, yeah, I know Jay. Yeah, Jay. <laughs> I mean, I don't personally know him. I know of him, even from back in the, you know, what I would call the bodybuilding days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, Jay is like a huge mentor of mine. Like, we've known each other for like 20 years. And he, like, since 2003, so, yeah, like... 16 years and he's been such a huge influence on me and he just put out this podcast and and I I don't have time to listen to podcasts like I used to but I I sat down and I listened to this one it was only 30 minutes and it was basically one of his clients and they were going on a walk they were probably on one of his like weekends where he has like his brotherhood come over and they do physical stuff and mental stuff and relationship stuff and um and he said something the whole thing was about this guy left Wall Street and he's basically a personal trainer now and he said, playing it safe is too risky. Yep. And I'm like, preach. Yep. Because that's the fear of pursuing, 
your true happiness and your your true bliss and and don't get me wrong pursuing your bliss is not easy it's it's yeah. not that it's easy but you're pursuing your bliss the fear of of all the things that are going to happen when you get on the other side of that decision like a lot of those things go away you still have those freak outs like what am i going to do insurance and all the yeah. typical stories that people tell us but man it's it's been yeah, over a year for a me and yeah. all i'm doing is building like i'm building yeah. something I'm backwards. Yeah. Like I'm five years back or six, seven years back, like as far as money is, but that's okay. I don't, I'm, I've built this before and I'll, I'll build it again. So yeah, it's a great answer, man. I think, and that money thing is such a, that's such the, that's that like, that's the number one hurdle I think for most mm-hmm. people, yeah. because like, I think about it, I, you know, graduated as a dentist back in 2013. And it's like, if I would have just, you know, put my head down, been a general dentist, Mm-hmm. been working since then and living my lifestyle that I live right now like I would have like a lot of money yeah. <laughs> uh, but because I've pursued all these different passions and things like that like you said like I'm further back but you know there's statistics that I think are true it's like 77% of dentists wish they would have went into a different field and is it, aren't that depression rates really high and depression it me of the whole nine drug yards. abuse yes. and like like and these are like real things and I, I yeah. saw it with my classmates like they're like oh like kind of like man this was a bad decision then you dentistry and being a professional it has its own hurdles because you've just built you know a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt getting through school that's all that's all you're trained to do it's like oh i don't want to do this what else can you do uh but it's like to live the rest of your life not on purpose or not excited or you know to me that's the biggest risk of everything like of all so you know it's but it's important to have people like you guys and other people who you know is it, you? <laughs> is it Zig Ziglar says like motivation something you need like daily it's like taking a shower but yeah. you need people to remind you because you because yeah. that fear can creep in and it's like man did I make a bad decision following my dreams or not yeah, it's <laughs> yep. true so that to me that's one of the most important things because you know we're here living life and it's to be experienced and uh experienced in the way that people define it uh for themselves and to like kill that fire I think is like the most dangerous thing Dude, and, and I'll, I'll just put a little bow on it. Like, if you were to ask me what my, what my biggest um, goal is in life, it's freedom. Yeah. Freedom. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like, I think it's freedom. what we all want. That's what we all really want. Yeah, that's that's the reason want people want to strive to make millions of dollars or have power or whatever. It's because really what they want is on the other side of that. It's, just, it's freedom yeah. from money. It's like they can yeah. do what they yeah. want to do now that they have this Not backing. Worrying. A lot of times you don't need those, you, you know, millions and millions of dollars to have that freedom. Uh, but I think that is what like, most people are after, the freedom to be able to do what they want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, okay, so I love that conversation, but I want to I wanna bring it back because today's, yes, a special day. <laughs> today's a special day, Kevin. I don't know if you know this, but today's National Vegetarian Day. And I was going to say it's National Vegan Day because that's what someone told me. But when I Googled it, <laughs> I found out that there are actually two holidays. Is for, there one for each? Yes, there's one no. for each. Yes, there we have National Vegetarian Day, which is today, and we have National Vegan Day one month from today on is November first. No, of course oh, not. Oh, we should make one. Though. Well, we got, yeah. we got, we got. All, we, uh, all you need is like a hashtag in Sean Baker. Like we'll just yeah. spread that hashtag. Yeah, yeah. I think January first is great. You know. Oh, that would be a great carniv- yeah. carnivore month and yes. carnivore day because a lot of people get New Year's resolutions. You yeah. know, right around that time. Yeah. Good time to That's onboard a, a lot time. of people. Oh, dude, I'm gonna. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna do start it somehow. It. Maybe we, maybe we team up. We're gonna and get do on Wikipedia. 
it's going to happen. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I, I thought in the spirit of keeping up with current events, I'd ask you your thoughts on, uh, I know you read it. So that New yeah. York Times article on meat and all oh, the, the recent advances like- we've made into the, the health conversation. Where, where do you see this going, man? This is pretty exciting right now. Yeah, it was really exciting. So I read the 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 Times article, which was based off this new massive, which uh, was beautiful too. That research, that research, that was like even their tone was amazing. Yeah, the tone was amazing because it was actually like when you read <laughs> nutritional research, usually all you re- for me, what's going in the back of my head is like, okay, this is the problem. This is a problem. This is a confounding variable. Uh, yeah. They really control for a lot of biases, and you know the research conclusion at the end. I think for some people might seem unsatisfying because basically what they concluded is, you know, we don't know. And, but out of that, we don't know is look, we see like, we can't recommend decreasing meat intake because there's no evidence that shows that's going to have, you know, any benefit on your health or longevity or, or other of these factors that they looked at, uh, which, you know, this riled up a lot of the plant-based crowd, <laughs> yeah. which, right. so the times reported on that, like, uh, which was to me, it's a it's a giant step in the right direction, and that one of the things they talked about is what this research is going to do is you know the public's going to lose trust in nutritional good. recommendations, which I think is good. <laughs> good. Uh, they said they're going to lose trust in science too, which I don't think we should lose trust in science, but we need to view science in a different light yes. because these and you know the nutritional epidemiology that all this research is based off of you know, is held to a lower standard than some of these, you know, randomized clinical trials that they, which they talk about in the, in the study. Uh, and so I think that's good because like what, you know, what the study really highlights is like, look, there, you know, nutritional research was wrong about fat. It was wrong about cholesterol. It's going to be proven to be wrong about sugar and carbs saying it's just, you know, innocuous calories when really, you know, these, these can be quite dangerous. Uh, so it's like all these, you know, it's it's looking at the, at nutrition with skepticism, which I always think a healthy dose of skepticism is good, uh, especially when you you know look around us and we see like you know massive health problems. It's like maybe exactly. we should have a healthy de- dose of skepticism with you know what we're being recommended to eat. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that Frank Hugh guy, the guy you he's the guy who from Harvard Public Health yeah. who said that people are going to lose faith. He had another gem um, where he spoke about. He, he he thought he was being slick when he said they asked him about something sort of related. And he said, well, you know, back meat used to be a sign of status, you know, like the, the, yeah, the, the, the high class. And now the educated people don't are, need it. Yeah, they right. don't need it. Now, for me, that says, what the hell are we teaching people? Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all I think. I mean, I was I was looking at this, you know, talking about this is in a different context. But I was like, it all boils down to education. Uh, and a lot of things influence that. Uh, a lot that <laughs> I was talking what I'm trying to think what it had to do with it had to do with obesity and, and what the problem with obesity is. And I was like, there's a lot of problems and it's a very complex issue, but I think the number one thing like is education. Uh, yeah. and it's like, if we're taught the wrong things or we're recommended the wrong things, or we have biased nutritional research and all, all kinds of problems, but it comes down to like getting the right information. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's hilarious that, like you said, and he, this is another quote from him. He said that we should hold nutritional research to a different standard than, you know, when we're researching a, a pharmaceutical Pharmaceuticals, drug. Yeah. And I thought of right away when I read that, I thought of Dr. Saladino's quote about, you know, we're, con- we're making decisions on drugs in gram quantities and we're eating kilogram quantities of food. 
how is that not more important when yeah. it's so much more influential on, on our, on our health? Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I, I, I agree a hundred percent and I, you know, I, I think we have a long way to go and the study is a step in the, in the right direction yeah. saying, cause basically it didn't say meat is good. Go eat right. tons of meat. It just said, look, we can't say meat is bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. so, but so that's a huge to, step, honestly. I think it is now, a huge step. Yeah, till it now it's meat, step. meat. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people still, and like, it's just like so honestly shocking to me that but I have to, nothing, I would love to see my face when people tell me like these things, like meat gives you cancer and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause that's what it's been till now. So this is, this is actually a huge, step. but think about what, like if you're them, like think about where you are as a researcher, you, you know, I mean, technically you should kind of know that, that yeah. it's not right. Cause you're basically starting with the conclusion and trying to support it and all the research, like in situations, like I think it was either one of these Adventist studies, one of the big Adventist studies yeah. mm-hmm. where they basically, I think it was, they were trying to link cholesterol with heart events and stuff like that. And they actually interpreted the data the opposite way. Like the fact that they can take data, they can do the experiment, they can get results that they don't like, and then they can still try to spin it the opposite way. Yeah. There's, you're not going to spin harder. Like, what are we going to do? Spin harder. You, you're going to keep spinning. There's nothing, there's nothing to spin. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. yeah. you can't science harder. Like, we're going to science harder than them. Well, you're not because you're wrong. <laughs> yep. I, I think that there's also something maybe that I'm because social media is here. So mm-hmm. at this point, there are so many like with Sean Baker, Michaela, so Jordan sources. Peterson, Joe Rogan, like that being a thing. It's out there now that if you are a good scientist, I mean, if you actually care about the actual science, you'd I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, hmm. That's very interesting. That's a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. a lot of people. At this point, yeah. it's a lot of people because I yeah. mean, these groups, like Michaela's group, has so many people. Meatheels.com has thousands of stories. Like, you know, yeah. they've got to say something. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I think this was one of the powers of like the internet is to bring transparency to things. Right. And you know, back in the day. <laughs> That, you know, government could swing this however they want and the public's like, look, we just got to trust it. Right. So now today you have a choice where you can go do your own research. You can look at one side of the argument, you can look at another side of the argument and you can decide for yourself. And, exactly. you know, I, a lot of people do get frustrated. They're like, look, I don't want to do the research. Yeah. How, how do I eat to be healthy? And I get it. Uh, but That's to some job, degree, dude. like, <laughs> yeah, to some degree, like as someone from the outside, like, you got you you got you got to weigh weigh the options and make a decision for yourself, like what you think. Because look, as much as we're gonna push and how much we believe in a meat based diet, like the plant based diet is not gonna go away anytime no, soon. No, it's not. So the, I think the best we can do is present people like, look, look at this side, and because this side has not even been shown. So this is like showing a new side and giving people the opportunity to actually you know make an informed decision. <laughs> Yeah. Or more sure. informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. We totally agree. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, animal-based diets and dental health because we have kind of, I have kind of a cool story, but Desmond, my oldest, uh, he had a cavity. He's had one yeah. cavity his whole life. And it was that one dental appointment was six months before. Well, it was, they were still eating garbage. They were. Yeah. Yeah. So they were still eating, you know, typical kid, kid crap is what I call, call it. Yeah. Okay, his next dental appointment was six months later, and 
I'm pretty sure we switched them right away because because then the cavity was also something else that pushed me because I was like, uh-uh, this is like, super expensive. Nope. <laughs> yep. Um, and so they were basically carnivore at first and then, you know, keto. And I mean, the dentist, the dent, the cavity was, was gone. It was gone at his next appointment. It probably wasn't a very severe cavity because they were monitoring it. But yeah. yeah, he had, you know, all the sugar was gone and we're eating more meat now. What, what do you think happened there? I mean, what are the implications of an animal-based diet on long-term dental health? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great question. So I was actually just talking with, uh, with, with Dr. Paul Saladino because he's working on his book and he was asking me about, uh, you know, meat-based diets and dental health, so to speak, in cavities. And something that, you know, dentists are trained in dental school is like, look, the decay process requires a carbohydrate sugar as a substrate in order for the, for the decay process <laughs> right. to start. So if you're eating a meat-based diet yeah, where you have, have minimal to basically zero carbohydrates, uh, like there's no substrate for the decay process to even start. Right. And so like in Desmond's case, the decay process probably started. It was probably early on. Yeah. And the body has, just like the body can heal so many things once you, you give it the chance to heal itself, yeah. uh, teeth can re- remineralize. And so, the, you know, cavities can just, that, that cavitation can, can, you know, re-strengthen up, so to speak. And it can just never be an issue. Amazing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's huge. That's a beautiful thing. I've that's heard also, I wanted to ask you, because you've heard this too, my love, and you mentioned it. Um, like people have talked about, you know, there's, there's we have to um, acknowledge the fact that with this influx of extra information, there's also going to be people kind of going in the opposite direction. And, and I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, like people are very cavalier with the decisions they make, especially when it comes to like things they put into their body mm-hmm. and yeah. they say, you know, I don't trust doctors. I don't trust doctors. And then they do all these crazy things. Yeah. And, you know, one of them is colloidal silver. Um, you know, I know that people yeah, have I've mentioned using that. colloidal silver for cavities, but I've also heard, you know, it is, it is a metal and, um, you know, th- there's the blue stuff that happens, these people that are taking it and their faces turn blue. Um, well, my sister think- was giving it to my niece because, well, my niece is carnivore, but for some reason it must be some, some genetic, sort of genetic or, thing. yeah, she must have a genetic snip that's causing her to have some type of deficiency because she does have her little baby teeth are, they're decaying. So it hasn't gotten any worse because her mm-hmm. diet's so good, but I mean, it's still kind of strange because she doesn't eat sugar. Yeah, she's yeah. gone from breast so what milk are your to thoughts like on the regular. silver man. Like, what, what is that? Is that a viable option, or, or is that kind of yeah, have you heard kind of, of risky? I so I'm I'm not this I'm not familiar with the silver you're talking about. There is something called uh, silver diamond fluoride. It's actually a pretty new kind of treatment option, but it has to be administered by a dentist uh, that arrests decay. And so I've actually been using this on pediatric patients a lot recently this year. And it, usually it's done in very certain circumstances usually you would just fix the cavity the traditional way but in certain populations mainly i treat lower socioeconomic medicaid patients that may have rampant decay and i may only get to see them once a year and they may not show up again so if if their whole mouth is decayed and i can't fix it all right there we'll put this silver diamond fluoride on it which can arrest the decay uh so if i don't see them again at least it can you know those baby teeth down yeah it prevent the teeth from abscessing uh, let wait for the baby teeth to exfoliate till their adult teeth come in. Uh, and early, it, this is a pretty new treatment option. And from the results that I've seen of it, it's pretty good as far as far as arresting the case. It works great. Is how much? I, the thing is, it's so new. I don't know anything about downside ramifications of like 
what happened? Is it any of this getting into the body? Uh, is it going to cause problems? I think anything like this has the potential to cause negative side effects. Uh, you know, as a dentist and any kind of health care provider, you, you try and minimize anything like that. Like, look, I'm only going to put this treatment on the infected area, make sure they don't swallow it, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, but does it have potential negative impact? Probably. Probably the potential negative impact is far less than if we just let that mouth rot. You know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And all the bacteria and all the infections that can get into oh, the bloodstream. And it's like, these are yeah. all lifestyle things, you know, it's like you wouldn't have needed the treatment. Yeah, it really is. It, so I, I wanted to tell you guys this because I think about you guys a lot. So oh, when, I'm tra- awesome. when I'm treating these kids, like I said, usually it's uh, lower socioeconomic uh, and they have these rotten teeth. I just think how lucky your kids are because it's, I, you know, it's so true though. It's, I think, I would say it is closer to like the norm that these kids have horrible oral hygiene. Their oh, teeth yeah. are riding out. They have terrible diets. The, I, the amount of adolescent, like I'm talking elementary school children that are oh, on prescription medication is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Like it's almost the rule, not the exception for yeah. kids to be on mm-hmm. some kind of ADHD medication. Like, Kids on Prozac. I, and it, it, it breaks my heart because yeah, I'm like... those are developing brains too. It, it really is. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like a little bit like you want to... You know, I feel for these kids because they don't have... There's nothing they can yeah, do like about it. It's like not their fault. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. not their fault. Like they don't know. And it's not their fault. And it's like, man, I feel bad for them. And at the same time, then I think about your guys' kids and I'm like, man, those kids... They are getting off on the right foot. <laughs> yeah, dude, you know. Desmond, actually, can I, can yeah, I share what, with you? Yeah, what Desmond quick? says. Is that what you're going to say? Well, yeah, no, about you say the, that because I have another thought on the same. Well, yeah, because it's funny you mentioned that because, I mean, and even with, you know, even with the higher income, like at our jujitsu, there's, like, candy is a normal thing that yep, occurs on is. a daily basis. And, and to me, that's like my kids. nightmare. I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, when I see these kids with their blue mouths, I'm just like, I want to die for real. Yeah. Yep. And And so Desmond asked me the other day, we were talking about, well, because we went to the dentist, we were due for the dentist, our cleanings, and By he's way, like, "Hey, they, mom, did they get the fluoride." Um, I think they ended up giving it to me regardless. But Mauda says but we don't want to do the fluoride because we want to save money. Like, and that then they, was they, our they gave it to me free, um, and then they gave it to nice. me free, and I'm like, "Oh, great!" <laughs> it's not yeah. the point, darn it. <laughs> but that's okay because they like they say leave it on for two hours. I'm like, just brush it off. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So Desmond asks me, he's like, "Hey, mom, sometimes when my friends are talking, I see silver things in their mouth. What <laughs> is crazy. that?" And I'm like, "Well, buddy." I'm glad you asked because that's what happens when you get cavities. You know, you have to get fillings. And a lot of times, yeah. you know, they're cheaper. It's probably cheaper. I know now they have like the like like tooth colored ones, but I'm sure it's more expensive yeah. than the regular like old school fillings that they do. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure when these the kids are getting all these cavities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's and a lot just of kids, a lot of the silver you've seen is a lot kids like they get stainless steel crowns a lot of times so yeah. they got a mouthful of like mouthful. Like silver crowns yeah that's literally what he was telling me he's like they have metal teeth i'm like what yeah yeah well, dude i i mauda like you 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 say that you think about and i'm thank you for that because i appreciate yeah, it we i appreciate really do it. beyond the fact that you know we know that they're taken care of we take pride in it and you know you say you think you know you're grateful for like how they're starting their lives and we say like as a parent like after the first cavity you got to have a big alarm you got to yeah. be like hey like, dude what let's fix this this is not yeah, no normal more, for you to have no a hole candy. in your teeth you yeah. know but if if you're taking your kid in for more than one cavity like it's a wake up call 
And it, you know, it should be. Yeah, it should we, be. The problem, we normalize this in society, which exactly. I think is the big problem. It's exactly. like, oh, yeah, only one cavity this time, only two cavities this time. I'm like, like, no cavity is normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the problem is that we normalize it because it is normal, unfortunately. Um, it, and it is. If, and if, if you, like, went to a orthopedic and he's like, oh, you're getting, the, you, you know, you're getting decay in your, in, in your bones, yeah. you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. something is <laughs> wrong in your bones. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to lose my leg. You, I have bacteria eating my bones away. Like, people would, like. But that's what's going on in your mouth. In your mouth, so, exactly. And your enamel is the hardest substance in your body. So it's eating through that. Like, just like, oh yeah. So, goodness. you know, the, the normalization really is the problem because, you know, I think, I, I, I know most parents want to do good by their kids, but it goes back to the education they don't know. And then it goes to this cultural, cultural normalization where it's like, okay, we don't know. We don't know what's healthy. It's normal to have cavities. So I don't think I'm doing anything wrong or there's nothing we should change. Yeah. But really, like like you said, these should be like red flags. Well, hopefully anybody, listen, you are listening to this alone, parent listening to this. No one's pointing the finger at you. You can quietly take that and do something about it, okay? Do something about your kid's health. If you notice that, you know, the last couple of years there's been – Cavities that's going just, on. That's, not good. that's the gateway to your to the health of your and body. Your mouth is the gateway. So much money when they're adults. Like dental work is my actual nightmare for oh, yeah. real. I'm Everybody like that person who wants to that's be knocked out for cleaning. That's another reason why people dentists probably get like you know depressed because <laughs> yeah. nobody wants to pay for dentistry. Yeah, yeah. Um, they think the mouth should be free or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I'm, I I think there's there's potential good and bad in that because I remember when I was a kid. Now my parents like. I have amazing parents. I can't say one bad thing, but I didn't, I, I didn't have, they weren't, they weren't the nutritional influences on me like you are with your kids. So I was eating those cheese waffles. That's a story for another day. <laughs> cheese waffles. But, uh, oh, I don't know where I was going with this. Something, something they taught you. They didn't take you to the dentist a lot. Oh yeah. So I went to the dentist when I was a kid and the, the hygienist inadvertently scared me into flossing every day. She said, you have gingivitis. And I was like, I didn't know any idea what that was. But I was like, I know that doesn't sound good. And she said, for me not to get it, I need to be flossing every day. So I, I've been flossing every day since. So, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's, you know, you, you can have a healthy dose of fear for good. But yeah. I see the flip side where people get afraid that then they're like, I'm just not going to go to the dentist. And, you know, they right. wait till their mouth right. explodes and, and you got all kinds of problems. But, yeah, yeah so some healthy dose of fear can, yeah, <laughs> can yeah. be beneficial. For sure, man. So I wanted to talk about the sleep part because, you know, you, yeah. you focus on sleep. Dentist. Is it are you a sleep dentist? Is that your um, did you do a fellowship in that? I want to be good with the labels and all that stuff. Yeah. So dental sleep medicine, it's kind of this niche area of dentistry and it's not a specialty like you have orthodontics. You have, like there's there's but there's dental specialties oral surgery. Uh, so dental sleep medicine is not a recognized specialty of dentistry, uh, but it generally, most people that practice dental sleep medicine have advanced training. So I, you know, out of dental school, I went and got advanced training in dental sleep medicine. Uh, and for those of that don't know what this is, it's basically treating what's called sleep disordered breathing, which ranges from something called upper airway resistance syndrome, which is basically snoring, to severe obstructive sleep apnea, where you know your airways basically block severely so blocked off while you're sleeping at night. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, and I, you know, out of dental school, I've got that advanced training. I started my own practice treating exclusively dental sleep medicine, uh, and then I and I was doing pediatric on the side to help you know make sure I could still pay the bills to eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, those have kind of been my two areas of dentistry. Yeah, so so a lot of the I issues. I feel like Desmond needs help. 
with, in that well, area. No, no, but he's with doing the good. Stuff? Have you time, been doing the mouth taping? He does. Sometimes he forgets. But even when I go wake him up in the morning, the first thing that I do is I look at him. Okay, yeah, to see how he's to sleeping. See. And I, every single time I come look at him in the morning when he wakes up, um, he's breathing through his nose. That's not to say that in the that middle of the night still he doesn't sleep. Yeah. yeah, and it depends on the day, I'm sure, because you know, with his allergies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and especially pediatric sleep issues. Because I see this a lot. One, kids are getting much more overweight, yes. now, yeah. which is a factor. Of course. Two, they tend to have very large like tonsils and adenoids. Uh, and you know, back in the day, was, we used to, you know take those out quite liberally. Now, not so much because they realize there's a lot more risk involved with it. Uh, but kids have kind of obstruct airways just like adults. And, you know, I see it quite a bit. Uh, so for kids, like, you know, snoring is considered, you know, not normal. It's, a, you know, pathologic. So, and I know there's a lot of kids that snore, a lot of kids that grind and like they shouldn't be. So, you know, one thing I do is encourage people to like, look, you get, get that looked at because sleep is so crucial to proper development. Yeah. And, you know, you know, with Desmond, we like he doesn't snore. He sleeps really, really well. Like last yeah. night he was in bed by like 930 and he woke up. I woke him up today at what time? 730. I think yeah. I was kind of late waking him up because yeah. I was trying to get I had to make a video on this New York Times thing. Like and I <laughs> yeah. usually wake him up at 630 to do like our whole routine. But I didn't even do it. But um you know, a lot of the issues, it seems like, you know, we're seeing these, these sleep apnea and the sleep disordered breathing. It seems like these things stem from our lifestyle choices and how they impact epigenetics. And I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the structural changes that you see that, that are affecting the breathing, how diet and lifestyle is involved, and, and what are some of the other consequences downstream that come from these choices that lead to these epigenetic changes. You know, how does can you kind of take us down that road? Yeah, I think I think one of the most significant things is if like if we look at the mandible or you know the jaw, uh, it's smaller than it should be. And like, look, we know that. How many people get their wisdom teeth taken out? I know I had mine taken out. Most yeah, people that's a normal it, thing. That's I it. feel it like I feel like is it kind of a hoax or something? I don't know. Maybe no, we do that, have to take them out. Spoken about that. So like the, the wisdom teeth get impacted and the question is yeah, like, maybe. why are they all getting impacted? Which means there's basically not enough room for them. And like, we're like the only animal that does not have enough room in their mouth for its own teeth. Like that, I mean, when someone thinks about that, that really should like not make sense. Yeah. <laughs> have you so, written an article on, on, on the lack of eating meat and, and how, how that is changing our jaws? How that can potentially lead to this issue. So I've written a decent amount about, the human diet over time, because it's been one of the most eye-opening thing to my to me is is this research of you know, you know, you you can't you can't avoid talking about evolution. Some that rubs some people the wrong way. Uh, I don't but know like if we look if we look at human evolution over time, uh, that has been one of the most eye-opening things to me. As you know, it's it's the ancestral diet. Like, what did our ancestors eat? Right. And if you think about it, like if we just went and like let's say we so we picked up us and we dropped us into an African safari. Like what would we eat? You know, like I we probably wouldn't be we wouldn't figure out our agriculture right away. So we'd probably be hunting animals. You know, yeah, dude, <laughs> we low hanging fruit, so to say. Exactly, we would go after the low hanging fruit, and you know, there's a lot of evidence like this is exactly what happened over time. And I mean, we could talk for hours about this, uh, but this impact of switching to a plant based diet with the agricultural revolution has 
uh, you know, like you said, caused epigenetic changes and just basically developmental changes. And one of the things is we see like a smaller mandible and our teeth aren't fitting. And that definitely has an impact on the airway. Uh, you know, the orthodontics has shown there's certain orthodontic things that can exacerbate this. Now, orthodontists that are trained a little bit in dental sleep medicine can actually improve this situation as well. Uh, so any parents listening out there that are considering orthodontics or if their kids have a sleep issue, like a well-trained orthodontist can do things to to actually, in a, in a way, in a manner of speaking, enlarge the airway to help prevent obstructive apnea, you know, mm. throughout life. Uh, but yeah, so like to answer the question is like where you, we are underdeveloped in many ways prior to what humans were just 10,000 years ago before the agricultural revolution. And it, I, you know, there's some negative consequences from that. Uh, and I think one of those, you know, is one, one sample of that is what's happened to, you know, our jaw and our mandible. Dude. And I, as you're talking about this, I'm reminded of all the heroes that, that have played such a big part in, in teaching us stuff, you know, like, and a lot of them, did cover dentistry like and did cover like the mouth like lauren cordain i never forget like when i first read the paleo diet back in 2011 he spoke about that he spoke about you know their the heights he spoke about the lack of um cavities and of course um, well even like women's women's hips are more narrow now which is probably why they have more trouble childbearing oh yeah and what's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting nursing traditions guy. Um, oh, Weston A. Price. Uh, Weston Price. Yes. Yeah, Weston Price. He's always commenting on the carries rate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Mount, an interesting thing about the hips that I just, before I forgot, yeah. uh, like the evolution of like women having wider hips is because the massive brain size of humans right. growing over time, which is because <laughs> of the meat based diet. Think of that, too. Like, just think about that connection. Like, so true. is that a coincidence? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That is amazing. I didn't even think of that, dude. Like, um, all right. Well, what, what would, okay. So let me ask you this. What would you say are like three to five things or like we could all be implementing or cutting out from our lifestyle that would either, you know, that would better our dental health and overall health really. So I think there's like, I would say four things okay. that if people just did like the, ma- like there's, you can major in the minors, which is, I feel like a lot of people try and do like tinker with all these little things that don't really move the needle or right. move the needle in very small amounts in one direction or another. Right. But there's like major building blocks. Like if you do these four things, that's, it, it's the whole okay. Pareto's principle. 20% is going to give you 80% of the results. Well, these, you know, 5% of things is going to give you 95% of the results, I think. And that's like, look, if, you, if you're eating a meat-based diet, you're limiting or removing sugars, grains, and vegetable oils. Yep. That's gigantic. If you are getting good sleep, uh, I would say eight hours, you know, obstructive sleep apnea is one of these, like, epidemical, epidemic issues. Like, so get good sleep get sun like that that's one that yes. seems like people don't think about but it's like i think not getting sun and i know there's there could be a lot of co-founding factors like people get a lot of sun more active and that activities will actually give them help but i think the, the you know get sun and get movement like yes. those four things like if you if you did if you if people like just focus those four things look uh, i'm gonna eat a meat-based diet i'm gonna get these three other categories grain sugars and vegetable oils i'm gonna limit those or remove those i'm gonna sleep eight hours a night i'm gonna get sun when it's out and i'm gonna get movement like that. Know, those so I, to me, those are the four big, those are the four building blocks. Uh, and then and, have you ever and, read the four doctors? Those blocks. I agree. 
the the four doctors. Yeah, the, I think it's called the last four Is doctors. It a book? Yeah, the last four doctors you'll ever need. I think it's an ebook, and it might have started as an essay. It's Paul Check. I think you'll like it. It's a. Uh, I haven't read it. No. It's good, man. It's it's very similar to those things. It's like Doctor Movement, Doctor. Um, there's there's all those different ones, but it, it, it's it's basically yeah, very like that, related. Yeah. Doctor Sleep. And these are your doctors, and they're yeah. the last four doctors you'll ever need. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I mean, of course, there's other things like yeah. there's a lot of environmental pollution and, th- right. and, and things like that that uh, yeah, that can help. Right. That that are like probably have adverse effects. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> and, sure. You know, I talk a lot about fluoride in the water because, like, that's an example of like water is a good thing. You know, drink water, but you know, too much yeah, is a good thing. Exactly. You know. Uh, so there, there's other things that can have negative impacts, but I think if you get those four things right, the body's pretty resilient to things. Like I talk about this a lot. It's like once you have eaten healthy and you've built like a strong gut that's not just horribly permeable, and you got a strong immune system, if you eat something bad, the body can handle it pretty well. Like, yeah, it's so true. It it can detox. It's when you are like overloading it day in and day out with the with, and it's like all right, I can't. I can't, the body can't defend itself anymore, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And you've got that, it's all about the gut too. It's like that permeability when you're. The gut is super important. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, man, because um, this, this, this could play a role too. And I, I kind of made a little sideways comment about it, a little jab during my video this morning. And Maura's like, as I'm recording the video, she's in the background. I hear her screaming, oh, he went there. Oh, because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, fluoride, have you seen like, <laughs> any any information on the effects of fluoride and the effects it has on the pineal gland? I googled it. I couldn't really find. You know what's interesting is because so, most of the negative effects of fluoride have to do with like like neuro, yeah, neuro. Uh, like brain. So yeah. I don't. I, I I mean I don't know. It's a what the relation with the pain, the, the the pineal gland is exactly. Uh, but I bet you it influences it. <laughs> yeah, like one of the things that um, Ben Pakulski told us, we were having dinner at his house like a few weekends ago, and we were talking about all these things. Like you can imagine these conversations are, they go deep. And um, like he was saying, like just that it, 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 it tends to calcify the pineal gland. And to me, when I'm thinking about like re- insights and, you know, like, you know, questioning and all the all the things that your pineal gland contributes to, you know, for you to have these deep thoughts and and yeah. and the ability to just to question something and to 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 have that ability to say, wait, wait a second, yeah. that may not be right. You know, it's almost like I, I this lo- is where I need my hat, my tinfoil hat. Yeah. Like, this is where I put it on and yeah. I'm like feeling I, safe. I put it on and, and, and like, it's, it has a cushion on the bottom yeah, because I good. want it to be comfortable. Um, and like, <laughs> but like, you know, how are you, you know, I love the, the phrase stay woke. Cause it's so funny to me. Like we say it all the time. Cause it's really, really funny. Like stay woke. Like, you know, they're, they're spraying everything on the, you know, all the chemtrails and all that. That's the same type of thing. But I think in this case, like I want to use that phrase because how are you ever going to be quote unquote woke if you don't have a, a, a pineal functioning well, like, yeah. I feel like you're basically holding, so you're, not, yeah. you're putting both hands behind your back. So have you read uh, anything from Dr. Joe Dispenza? I love Joe Dispenza. Yeah, but I haven't read his books. I've, I've heard. I think uh, Ben had him on his podcast, actually. Oh, really? So I just finished uh, Becoming Supernatural because I, I heard him on a podcast. I, I was very intrigued by the podcast. He was on Aubrey Marcus. Someone, oh, yeah. You know Aubrey. Oh, yeah, Aubrey's yeah. all about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know Aubrey. So I, I heard. I, I, 
I, you know, you know what I love about Aubrey as a side note is that guy is just radically honest yes. and, and vulnerable. I love it. And it's like, I don't, I don't even care what he's talking about. I, I like him because he's so authentic. Yes. And I could disagree with everything he says, but I'm exactly. like, that he says his truth and he doesn't care. Like if it's how one person will see it versus another, like he is just honest. Yeah. And his relationship yeah, I stuff I can't that. get with, but I really true, truly yeah. Uh, like I agree like I, I I respect him and I love so the true, authenticity it's yeah refreshing. he says some stuff that I don't agree with but it's so true like the fact that he's so authentic it's 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 a, it's a breath of fresh air because like is. social media just tends to be so the exact opposite I know. <laughs> yeah. and so it's like someone that's like just truly just puts his whole self out there like just like bare so to speak yeah, uh, yeah it's breath of fresh air but he had uh, uh Dr. Dispenza on his podcast and I listened to it and I, I was intrigued so I got his book Becoming Supernatural it's a big book uh, very interesting because he goes deep in the pineal gland, and he's 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 big about that. Uh, but you know, fluoride—that's that's how it works. It calcifies your bones, and that's why it makes your, your teeth strong. Uh, so I'm not surprised that it has negative, you know, possible effects of calcifying other structures. Uh, yeah, that's why I I have a water filter. That yeah, we got a Berkey too. You have oh, a Berkey. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have the same one with the, and we did get the extra fluoride filters for. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're extra. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's here's another one man i wanted to get your thoughts on we're being super selfish right now with yeah with questions. our questions yeah um because you know we drink coffee every day and probably do other things that lead to the staining of our teeth and you know Maud and i have played around with a few remedies but we aren't we aren't really sure if they're safe or if they're the I best heard bad things yeah. about charcoal actually recently really okay yeah, let's so I'm see because we've been opinion. brush we've brushed with charcoal we've even done yeah. the hydrogen like peroxide, which i know it's a little bit more uh harder on the teeth but what are some safe and natural ways we can whiten our teeth? Uh, I mean, besides like not drinking red wine and coffee, the yeah. things that stain them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, first of all, almost every commercial toothpaste you're going to buy is going to have some kind of whitening in it because yeah. you know yeah, that's, yeah, what exactly. people, yeah, that's what people that's what people want. want. That's what people want. So that'll go a certain distance. Uh, after that, there, there's some things that definitely work. Like I think the easiest thing is is like you know, they're kind of, they can be expensive, but you know, strips, hydrogen oh, peroxide, these, these things can be hard on your gums and I don't particularly love them or, you know, advocate for them. But okay. you know, when we're just talking about aesthetics, sometimes we do things to, you know, look a certain way and <laughs> right. sacrifice other things. Uh, what I would do is I'd probably start with white strips just cause they're, oh, they're okay. easy. They work. They are a little bit expensive, but you know, people that want more than that, like, you can get a custom-made guard. You can even make it these guards yourself in some cases. I'd be careful because you're more likely to get that hydrogen peroxide in, up in your gum tissue and inflame them. It'll be painful. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but, that, but it works. Uh, so the stuff works. You can go even further and do like in-office whitening. I just really don't think that's necessary for most to get to the level of whiteness most people want. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I would do over any kind of – home remedy like using your own urine which has been a oh my god no and, and, yeah oh, i would not do that though yeah that's the, nasty. like some of these home remedies i'm like i yeah, yeah. Mm. i i just i'll go the more you know standard route <laughs> and i also and i've also been trying to like i think it's also like the amount of time it's on your teeth like after i drink coffee i try to just like brush right well away. that's <laughs> that's huge yeah that i mean that's if you drink coffee and you brush afterwards, like you likely won't have any staining. It, it is that with, you know, it's sitting on your teeth for, you for know, hours, duration. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha, man. <clears throat> well, 
Oh, what are you, you oh, know, you want to talk about the experiments? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah. talk about the experiments. All right, so you've done. You're like Danny. Do you've done so many experiments? But we're just curious if you had to pick one or two that brought you the greatest return, and that you'd recommend others try. What would they be? Okay, so I. That's a good question because I have done a lot of experiments, and within the carnivore diet, like for example. I wrote this guide, like how to get started. And basically I broke it down into three levels to make it easy to oh, onboard. I love that. You to talked guard. about that on your podcast. Yeah, go into Yeah, it's, you know, and basically it's just a, a framework to try and help people get started. Because uh, it is easy as, this is classic, like ironic. As easy as it is to say, eat meat and drink water. Like there is a whole lot of so questions that come out of that. Like yeah. it is actually a lot more complicated. Uh, you know, my inbox will tell you like the thousands, oh, thousands yeah. of emails. Oh, I'm like, sure. can I eat this? What about this? Oh, I'm having this problem, this problem, this problem. So it's, it's really, it's as easy as eat meat and drink water, but it's as complicated as like, like, you know, we could write a, a 10,000 page book on it. Right. Uh, so I have done like, certain on like this on-ramp this 90-day on-ramp i've done just beef and water for six months i did nose to tail i've done like a bulk i've done a cut uh but most recently i've just done my my most recent experiments and i'm gonna be publishing these in like the next week or two weeks uh and to me it's kind of like the most it is it's the most like gratifying i guess so I just I decided to experiment with carbohydrate, and so I I bought a jar of honey, and I was like, look, I'm gonna eat this jar of honey. I'm gonna eat over four days. I you know I I created this cycle. I, just, I was like, let's just see what happens. Right. And so I I run this this Facebook group called Carnivore Corner. It's a meat health Facebook group. Uh, but anytime anyone brings up honey, it turns into civil war. And like this is normally a very like cordial group but if someone brings up honey it, it's like people's like, morals ah. go out the window yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very divisive so yeah i'm like you know what i'm gonna see what all this divisiveness is about so, so I, like, you know i tried honey yeah. and so i'm the kind of person i've done a lot of carbohydrate cycling experiments in the past like when i was more focused on physique and bodybuilding etc and like i basically knew what to expect when I had carbs. If I go four days without carbs and I refeed, I, I know what to expect. My hunger is going to go through the roof. Right. I'm going to want to eat the whole jar of honey in one sitting. Like I know that that's psychologically what happens. Right. Uh, so I was like, well, I haven't eaten a carbohydrate really in two and a half years, like not even a cheat. Yeah. So I'm probably going to need to go to the store and buy like 10 jars of honey and just devour these. Right. Well, I had my first 50 grams and like nothing happened. Yeah, nothing. And I was like, what? I'm, I'm supposed to want to eat this whole jar. Yeah, dude. Next same. day. Next day. Nothing. No yeah. increase in hunger. Nothing. Next day. Nothing. Four, day four. Nothing. I'm like, what is going on here? And so I went back to two weeks. You know, I didn't eat any more carbohydrates. No cravings returned. And I was like, to me, what happened is... Like I finally actually killed an addiction to carbohydrates. I think yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that's what it is. It's like... I had a need for carbohydrates my entire life. And it wasn't until they were removed for such a long time where I could actually eat a carbohydrate and not need it. Yes. And so so what highlighted this is, so a couple weeks after this, I went on uh, a trip to Chicago, visit my brother. I went with my girlfriend and I was going to do just two days eating mostly what she ate. And so she got some ice cream and she eats relatively healthy, natural, normal kind of foods. Yeah. But she got some ice cream and I was like, all right, I'll try a scoop. And anyone that knows me, like any of my brothers, you ask, like, I was known as like the kid that like he's going to finish off yeah, the ice cream. He has any. Thing. It's not a little bit. He doesn't have one spoonful. He eats like the whole carton. 
And like I had a spoonful of her ice cream thinking I was probably going to end up eating the rest of it. <laughs> and like I was just good with just one spoon. Like I was like, you know, it was good. It, it was a, it was delicious. No lies there. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't need more. Yeah, you don't need which it. Was, which to me was like may not seem very profound to some people, but to me it was like the most profound thing. It's like, man, I finally like I don't need this. I, I exact, exactly. That, that's what it comes out of. Like I'm free from these foods. It's so true. I think that's where most diets fail. It's like Atkins was you know, you know, known to be a very successful diet. But it was also known that no one ever stuck with it. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is like they reintroduced carbs pretty quick into right, the diet. Right. And pe- those, those addictions were never broken and people <laughs> caved into their old ways. Uh, so to me, I guess that's a long answer to it, to it, to the question is like that's kind of been like the most profound experiment result that I've gotten. That's that's awesome that you say that, but we agree because we've even seen that. I mean, okay, we're adults, so okay, cool. But when you see this happen oh, yeah. in a child, it's yeah. I mean, it's staggering. And it hasn't because been that long. You think like it's a kid, like no matter what, given the chance. And I mean, for sure, my kids are definitely excited for Halloween. Like they'll probably go ham. Yeah. But they'll yeah. probably also sell me some candy because I always offer we, cash. We, we yeah. got most of it last year. We got probably seven Yeah, yeah. Desmond will probably be like, Meh. but but it, it's happened with Desmond, like Oh yeah. It's like over time, you those foods, I think it's like the connection in our brain or something. Like it, we're not getting that dopamine or what is, like how does it yeah. work Who on? knows if it's probably Who knows dopamine if it's dopamine or, or yeah. I don't know, but like it's not like making us we feel good We have so many anymore. pictures, yeah. Kevin, of like like half eaten or just one I know, I'm going to make a post soon because I'll give my yeah, kids like gluten-free like cupcakes and, and they don't alone, even eat it. Just paying attention. They'll, yeah. they'll eat like a bite because they think they want it. It like looks like something yeah, they want. They're like, ooh, a cupcake. And I'll buy it for them. And my my son left like, I, I don't, he must have taken one bite. Well, the key is that he had all the meat first. And he had all his meat first. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. Like when you, I don't know, it's like you, you don't, you really don't get those cravings. You don't Do you know cravings. how rare that is too? It's so crazy. What, what they, what that, that behavior that they experience is almost universally not experienced by any other no, kids. No, it's not. And or adults for that matter. Uh, but because uh, I watch kids, I don't have any kids, not yet. Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend has a kid. So, I, you know, I watch yeah. him. My brother has three kids and never. So first of all, they'll eat dinner, right? And they'll yeah. say they're full. They, you can't get them to eat another bite. And you're like, okay, you want some ice cream? Exactly. They will polish it off. Like they don't stop and like at a bite. And you're like, first of all, you were full, and then you just went and crushed a massive bowl of ice cream without exactly. it leaving a drop. I'm like, not normal behavior. And and maybe this is not all kids, but I, the kids I'm around, they're always talking about the next treat. That's all they're talking yeah, about. So I'm true. like, literally, all these kids are thinking about is eating the next piece of sugar. Yeah. I'm like, like, but it's another thing that w- that we've become like it's been normalized. It's normal. It's like normal for kids to beg you nonstop for kids. I'm like, look, kids, you are driving me nuts. (laughs) It's honestly terrible. And, and it's normalized by the parents too, which is the sad part. And, um, I've even heard parents like talking amongst each other saying like, like, you know, like if a kid is cranky, like, oh, when mine gets like that, they just need sugar. I'm like, goodness oh, gracious, oh God, that's dude. really dangerous. That's so the, such she's a like, bad yeah, I, I got to feed the addiction. That's basically yeah, what they're saying. It's craziness. But like you said, dude, it's a, it's a lack of education. It is I know a lack that of education. person was aware of like, if they made the connection, like as an addict, like I can make that connection. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh, that's addict behavior. Right, like, me too. If you like, spot that's it, how you I got see it. it you yeah, know? that's how I see it yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So um, speaking of crossing a line, like, uh, like you said you did with the fluoride this morning, uh, <laughs> 
So yesterday I was, I was treating pediatric patients yesterday. I was wondering if I crossed the line because the kid asked me about, we were talking about soda. And I was like, look, and I, so I, I talk about this with the kids and with, the, with you know, my coworkers. I'm like, I feel like if you wouldn't give your kid a cigarette to smoke, then you shouldn't give them a soda. Exactly. Drink. And like, I feel that strongly about it. And people are like, oh, that's cross, that's, that's no. over the line. I'm like, I, th- I actually don't think that's over the line at all. Like, especially if you look at the research, I'm like, so I'll ask, I'm like, do you know how many smokers die of lung cancer? And the answer is one in six. And you're like, what? Only one in six? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Do you know how many people are going to die of metabolic disease that's going to... Oh, a lot. Like, that's primed by the sugar and carbohydrates? Like, that's what's killing everyone more so than... Than, than the tobacco. And I'm not like, look, smoking is yeah, terrible. Course, and it, yes, it makes terrible. a lot of things, it makes a lot of other things worse, like sure. diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but to me, it's like on par with, <laughs> you, you, you get addicted to smoking cigarettes, you get addicted to sugar. That cigarettes cause lung cancer. Well, this can of soda is going to give you diabetes. It's going to give you heart disease. It's going to cause dementia. Like to me, these are quite equivalent. <laughs> Yeah, and and, and you know it's not your job so to bad. teach them all of those things, but yeah. as as a medical professional, not I don't want to say as a medical professional, as someone who works really hard on being informed and is in a position to offer some important information to them, right? They should, you know, they should consider it. They should at least be like, wait, what is what is sugar doing? You know, what is all these? Yeah. They should just do that. So I want to just switch uh, gears real quick, man. I want to talk. Uh, cause last time we spoke on your podcast, we talked about training, we talked about carbs yeah. and everything, but I, I never got an idea of what your current training goals are and, and what your training looks like currently. Like what, what are the goals if there are any, and, and if they are like, what, how are you training? So it's good. Yeah. Good question. Cause we didn't dive that deep into it. So this summer, I guess I can rewind a little bit last yeah. winter. Uh, I did a, what I, you know, I basically outlined, people are always like, can you build muscle on a carnivore diet? And they don't, they're like, oh, I can lose fat, but you can't build muscle. I'm like, look, I'll just, I'll show you, you can build muscle, you can gain weight on a carnivore diet. Yeah. So in six months, like I took, you know, took before and after pictures and whatnot. It's like, look, I gained a lot. I, I gained weight. I was like, this is how I did it. I progressively ate more, like progressively trained harder and lifted more, et cetera. And I gained weight. And then after that, I did a, you know, a cut this summer. It was actually quite abbreviated because I got like to the results faster than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so this winter I was like, well, and so at the last, I'll say six weeks, I did some carbohydrate experiments and that's what I've been working on this post. Uh, you know, I've, I'll probably, my current training goals, like I'm not training for a competition or anything like that. I, I'm pretty happy with my physique. Uh but you know, like, 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 I'm sure you guys know, you're never just satisfied. <laughs> you always want to keep improving. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still going to the gym. I'll probably do more of a focused bulk program this winter. Uh, I toyed with the idea of experimenting with like some targeted carnivore carbs, you know, throughout it to see, you know, if I compared six months of a targeted experiment versus six months of last years experiment you know compare the results honestly i just don't want to eat carbs that much because <laughs> yeah. i so i don't know if i'm going to do that for the sake of science or, or or to appeal to people's curiosity or my own or not uh but basically my training goals they're they're pretty vain i think i'm mostly focused on <laughs> hey, hypertrophy hypertrophy kind of physique stuff i do strength training not nearly as much as i used to uh, and a lot of it just stems to like when I was younger, I, I did, you know, lift ego as much as my muscles and got all kinds of injuries. Uh, 
so now it's like I enjoy training. I want to keep getting bigger and then leaner and keep going down that trajectory. Uh, but, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy right now as far as like I'm not training for anything in particular. Uh, I, the shows I've done in the past were based mostly like I did a show. My first one was, I don't know, it was a long time ago, but it was basically because I was I was I was doing some online blogging about you know it was called muscle science was the, the website i ran at the time and uh, you know i give advice and i was like just gonna practice what i preach i was like look i'm gonna just do what i'm telling you i'm gonna do and then i did competition and then i did another one uh but I, you know i never really wanted to compete like that I, my, it's not my really my motivation uh, but i don't know that's not not a really yeah, satisfying yeah, like answer <laughs> no no dude bottom line is if you were to just say hey i want to look good yeah, I, I, that's that's, that's good enough for me as a very very vain person. That's me too. Yeah, myself. like when people are like, "Are you competing?" I'm like, "No, no, I just want to be at." This my is top. just how I want to walk around. Yeah, like a, a weird <laughs> thing about me is like, I I, I say it's vanity because whatever. I just laugh at it because it, yeah. to me it's it's whatever. Bodybuilding has been very much like it's like a subjective thing, but to me, I think I love it because I love the intersection of art and science and anything that intersects there. Like it draws me in. And bodybuilding is like classic art and science, like yeah. the art of like it per subjective opinion. Like my, I think my delts are too small compared to my chest. So I really got to bring those so up. True. My <laughs> legs are definitely too small compared to my upper body. So I got to focus on those. But, you know, that's kind of like the art subjective of what I would think would look good. Uh, but there's, you know, obviously there's a lot of science between, you know, behind building muscle and, and burning fat. So I love that interplay of art and science. And, you know, I love that interplay in various other fields as well. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's kind of why I like it. So I'm just always just trying to improve that, whatever yeah. my subjective opinion of art, good looking art is. Yep. I love, love it, it, man. I, I love that idea of like the art and science of it. Cause you're so right. Yeah. Like it, they blend so much. And I love how so often we, we, we think that the science is really science and it's really just art yeah. still. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much, but like, I, I love music and like oh, music is so math based. Oh, yeah. uh, it is. And it's classically, you know, it's a, you know, it's an art, but I'm like, there's just, there's so much fascinating science behind it too. And I'm, I, love I, mean, it. I could nerd out on that all day long. Oh yeah. Me too. As a dancer, like that's like counting by eights and stuff. Like we, yeah, rhythm, everything. all the rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. So you've been developing something and we wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it as much as you're comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you talking about the, this, the like device? the, this yeah so yeah I, i'm happy to tell people about it. it's going okay. you know tremendously well i don't i don't promote it very much commercially just because you know i you know social media i just feel like i just share knowledge but you know the company's going well so long story short as a dentist you know i've trained to treat obstructive sleep apnea as well as snoring you know that that it's called upper airway resistance snoring but if you take it all together it's called sleep disordered breathing yep. uh and so it's as a dentist, we treat it with something called a you know it's got a lot of different names: an oral appliance therapy, mandibular you know repositioning device, all kinds of different names. Basically, with with a mouth guard. And as I was treating patients, you know these mouth guards work quite well, but they're not perfect, and there's definite downsides to certain. And, and I I don't want to bore listeners with like getting into all the details of it, unless it's something you guys really wanted to hear about. But <laughs> they basically work like CPR, where it'll it'll stabilize your jaw in a position that opens up the airway. And you can imagine if you stabilize too far forward, you know, it can get quite uncomfortable, uh, but you can get better results sometimes that way. Nonetheless, I was like, 
I need something else to improve the efficacy of this treatment to compare compared to what's known as continuous positive airway pressure CPAP therapy, which is what most people are familiar with. It's like the Darth Vader mask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> most of my patients were they tried the Darth Vader mask and they're like, look. I can't wear that. I'm not going to wear that. I need another treatment option. So then we do an oral appliance. And a lot of times the oral appliance was perfect. It's all they needed. A lot of patients, oral appliances were too expensive. Other patients, they had, you know, side effects that were not good. Other patients, they needed that. You know, it worked to some degree, but they needed more results. Long story short, so I started developing this nasal device. Uh, it works through what's called expiratory positive air pressure, EPAP. It's basically using your own breath to keep your airway open at night. Oh, wow. wow. So fast forward, I don't know, four or five years later, <laughs> a lots of divine, lots of like, lots of like R&D. This is where like that whole, like, I would have had a lot more money if I would have just saved and been a dentist. So I poured basically <laughs> all everything I had into the development of this device. Uh, and, you know, it's now on the market. It's just, it's important to say it. right now we have not got FDA approval for obstructive sleep apnea. So we're just using it to treat snoring. Uh, EPAP, the technology it's based off, is already an FDA-approved uh, you know, treatment process for, for apnea. So we know EPAP works. Uh, there's unique things about this to make it, you know, which is why, why I developed it. Uh, so long story short, it's a nasal device, goes in your nose, you use the power of your own breathing to treat sleep disordered breathing, and it's going really, going really well. That's really cool. Uh, so I think that what, there's a lot of promise in EPAP to treat sleep disordered breathing. It is a huge problem. The current treatment options are very, like, I'll just say not good. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. like CPAP, people that are literally dying every night in their sleep, they're given a CPAP machine. And CPAP works if you can wear it. Yes. Uh, but, but they will choose to die in their sleep over wear that device, wow. which oh is, gosh, like, which so is you know, pretty telling. Uh, so, you know, much more like less invasive means are going to be what's going to end up actually making a dent in this sleep problem. Oral appliances can be great for some people. They just tend to be quite expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and so right. there's just not a, not a real good way around that. So this device is, you know, it's low cost. It's pretty comfortable. It works for like I, I, I'm going to predict it's going to work for like mild apnea on its own. Now it's not FDA approved for that yet. So don't go buy this for your sleep apnea or don't sue me because I said it treats sleep apnea. It's, a, it's not FDA approved for sleep apnea yet. Uh, but I think, you know, eventually we, that's the goal is to get it FDA approved for apnea. And I think it's going to work pretty well. So, Dude, I, I wish it. you the best of luck with that, man. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. I help with the freedom too. Yeah, of course, and <laughs> and it's going well. I mean, it's been a long anything that you've like developed over years and years and years. Obviously, it's like a it's a grind, but it's rewarding to see that it works and like you know people use it and love it and the feedback they get from it. Like the dentistry, like we were talking about, is one area. Where it's like people don't want to go see the dentist, but treating sleep apnea is one area that is extremely re- rewarding because people come to you and they literally have not had a good night's sleep for, for years. Well, often, oftentimes it, it's, it's estimated people have sleep apnea for a decade before they get treatment. Oh, I believe And so that. they've had, they've had very, very poor sleep for a decade and then they get a good night's sleep for the first time in 10 years. And it, it's literally life changing in the first week. Uh, so it is one of the rewarding areas of dentistry. <laughs> yeah, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I just want to ask you one more thing before we let you go because I've seen the the the, the nasal spacers. Have you seen those? What do you mean nasal spacers? They're like yeah. oh, like a nasal dilator. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a tiny little dilator. piece of plastic. Yeah. You just like put it there. Yep, you've They're used it, right, of, Danny? Yeah, I have, but then it falls out in the middle of the night, and then good luck finding it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting is the device that I developed. It's it's called the Ned device for anyone that's that's interested. And if they want more information, you just go to Ned N E D dot rest. That's that's our website. Uh, so the Ned device is based off basically two technologies: nasal dilation and EPAP. So typically, with like the standard EPAPs, there's really only a couple on the market. Uh, it makes it harder to breathe in, which is not the goal. You obviously like in, enhanced nasal inhalation is what you want, and so we're could, so this device can, combines nasal dilation, where you can breathe in easier than you could over a baseline, with expiratory air, uh, you know, EPAP technology, and that's how the device works. But yeah, to answer the question, like nasal dilators, they don't treat sleep apnea. For some people, they can help snoring a little bit. Uh, but when you combine that with EPAP, like that's what that's what our device does, and it, and it, it works it, pretty dude. well. Yeah, I love it, man. Love it. Best of luck yep. with that. Before we let you go, where can people find out more about what you're doing online? Tell them about the the blog. Of course, it's huge. Yeah, so I I blog at kevinstock.io. That's my website. Uh, like I tell people, I'm like, I I'm like I I write a weekly newsletter every Saturday. I'm like, if I have anything good to say, I'm going to put it in that. So you don't have to, if you don't have to follow me on any other social media, like that, that's the one thing I would do is the newsletter. Love it. Cause that's what I put my hard work into. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're probably spending your most. And you know, that's time. why like, I'm like, I'm like, man, I, I see that. Cause like, if you go to the website, I think people, they, they get a ton from your Instagram, but if, if we can just take our ADD and push it down just a little bit and go to the actual website and read <laughs> the actual articles, I think people get a ton out of that too. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that I was talking because I was I was telling Danny I was telling you this last week I was talking yeah. with the strong sisters and I said like I, social media is great for getting the word out but to me it lacks so much context like okay yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll post an Instagram po- post and then I'll max out the description because I'm like dude I'm the same I so much I'm I like, try to so repost your stuff around this exactly. dude I, I put I yeah, repost like your stuff and fit. I'm like I I can't even repost this thing because it's like it's like I he maxed out every single last word yeah if I put the repost you have to actually like probably delete where it says repost because yeah. it doesn't fit yeah. so that you can fit in that act last I know that struggle words. I'm long winded oh myself, I've done that so. yeah me too because yeah, I type and, every workout and it's really it's because it's like you want to you want to give whoever's going to consume that message, the full picture or as full of a picture as you could provide. And I feel like if I give them a snippet, like it might be true in certain contexts, but if it's taken out of context, it's like, I don't want to steer you down the wrong direction, obviously. So that's why, you know, the the, the pros and cons of social media, you know, sound bites, (laughs) you, you do the most you can to squash as much information into a small space. That's right, man. Well, thank you so much for Thanks everything you do, brother. Thanks so much for coming brother. on. Guys, it. it was a pleasure being on. I hope I wasn't too long-winded or boring. No, you're, no, not, you're at all, not boring man. either. Not at all. <laughs> are we going to be, are you going to KetoCon or any conferences this year? You know, I would love to. I haven't, had, I don't have any, I don't have anything set in stone yet. I have so much writing that I want to get done on my writing yeah. to-do list. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that, I, that That's kind of my number one priority. Yeah, of I get that. Cool, man. But, but yeah, I, I and I want to meet you guys. I know you're in Florida. I my bro- I have a brother in in uh, Fort Lauderdale, so I just want to come visit you. Dude, if you ever, oh, yeah. if you ever come, Let us you know. have a place to stay. Yeah, okay? we have Seriously. a guest awesome. room here, so you have a place to stay. We love Fort Lauderdale too. So 
That's what we Actually, so my parents got a place down there too. So it could, I could just go spend a month in Florida. Oh we yeah, just spend a month sure. in Florida. We train together. It's on, bro. Oh yeah, to, you can go to Winter Boston. season is coming up, and I'm, I'll be ready to get out of the St. Louis winter season for sure. Oh, oh that's so yeah, true. Dude, yeah, you have to. Yeah, well, just let us know. <laughs> All right, well, guys, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I love talking with you. Thanks Thank so you, brother. Much. Nobody knows, 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 nobody